So I giggled a little bit at our Christmas messages because they weren't Christmas messages at all. And as we um, um, roll into the new year, it is, it is the same. All right, I've been laughing about this for three or four weeks because I actually know this passage from Matthew. I've preached on it a ton of times from Matthew, and it is it is called the seven woes. Okay, woe like W O E, the seven woes. Except when Luke does it, he doesn't do seven woes. He actually does sort of six. He also is very poignant in the particular type of people he calls out, okay? So the last thing you really want as people are trying their New Year's things or coming to church or gathering again after the holidays is to walk into a message titled, Shame on You, all right? But that's exactly where we are today. I want no shame on you, but I want you to hear how Jesus spoke to these religious, church-going Bible-believing, Pentateuch-memorizing, list-coming-down-to people. Because Jesus is hanging out with them, and they find, you know, listen, Jesus doesn't, Jesus doesn't get pushed over the edge, right? You can't, like, he doesn't have a button. You can't push a button, and then he does something wrong, all right? I, as a pastor and a human, I, I have buttons, right? All right? I can't help it. Now, you hope that those never come out, right? And there are things, all right, that, that don't bother me at all. There are other things that just grind. Anybody else that way? Other things that just grind at you, all right? Well, I mean, full, full honesty. Let's just, let's just get real. Even this weekend, some of our good friends are here. We're hanging out all day long. So you're in the dining room, you're in the living room, you're in the kitchen with children and teenagers and each other, and we play games all weekend long. Now, I am not competitive in the least. <laughs> and I work really hard, I do, to, 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 <laughs> to whoa, all right, to, to rein in that competitive nature. I've been working on it for years. Uh, Friday, I failed. miserably. Now, you guys have to understand another part of me. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm letting you in the door here. When I fail, like when I fail and I know that I failed, I, I, I struggle personally. I mean, I struggle for weeks, for months, not forgiving me because I'm the preacher. I'm a good husband. I'm a good daddy. I'm a good, well, semi-good brother, but I try. All right? But when it just, you know, and, 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 you know, it was just like, my button was like the Staples red thing. You know? <laughs> All right? Well, I want you to think about how it feels when that happens to you. And if Jesus had a button, this is the passage that got pushed. You, you with me? He doesn't sin. He doesn't fail. But if you can imagine, he's sitting at this table and he's finally like, you know what? I've had enough. <laughs> I'm going to tell these human beings how to go. And that's where we are, all right? He got tired of church not being church. He got tired of kindness not being kind. He got tired of joy being fake. He got tired of people um, uh, going after a list and not having a life. 
He got tired of love looking wrong. Now, we're struggling with that in our culture now. And y'all notice, I don't, I don't weigh in on that stuff. Because you don't need me to. It's here. And if you think Jesus doesn't weigh in, you are sorely mistaken. Let's see what triggers it. Let's see what he says. Then let's pick our feet up off the floor after we've been stepped on, take a deep breath, and ask ourselves what it is we're going to do about it for the new year. Okay? And the real question is, are we going to act like the church? Are we going to look like the church? Or are we going to be Jesus' church? Not Craig's church, not Tim's, Preston's side, not a staff church, not a worship church, not a black church or a white church, not a poor church. Or no, no. Are we going to be Jesus' church? Whatever that looks like, Okay. We are in Luke chapter 11. We're going to go from 37 to the end of the chapter today, all right? And, and next week, next week's message is on hypocrisy, so it's going to be fun for two weeks in a row. All right. When Jesus finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So Jesus is preaching a message, and one of the uppity churchgoers goes, hey, man, want to go to lunch after, after church? Jesus is like, yeah, where are we going to go? We're going to go to my place, get a nice house. We got a nice setup. We'll hang out on the couch. We'll eat good. We'll, you know, it's going to be nice. Let me just take care of you. No problem. So Jesus heads over there, and he went and reclined the triclinium. Remember that? He reclined at the table. This is a nice, nice dinner. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. So he's got Jesus, who he's impressed with, who he's trying to impress, over at his house, and he can't get over the fact that Jesus didn't wash his hands, right? No big deal, because it's not that his hands were dirty. The whole act of washing your hands when you went to somebody's house prior to a meal was that they were so worried about outside cleanliness, and by cleanliness we're not talking about dirt, we're talking about did you touch someone who wasn't a believer? Were you scuffed up next against somebody who was a woman who was on her cycle? Were any of those things, did you walk across a grave without knowing it was a grave? Any of those things make you unclean. When you wash your hands, you you are now clean enough to be in my home. So because he didn't wash and maybe somebody bumped into him, this is really causing him a tizzy at his causing him a tizzy at his opportunity to eat with God. Anybody have that happen to them at church? Weekly? Kid be just a wretch on the way here. You all prepared for worship, and now you're cussing and swearing like a sailor at your children. Then you walk in like, hey, preacher. You know, buttons, all the hot buttons get pushed, and you're coming like, joy to you, line stack. Joy to the world. Mm -hmm. We have the opportunity to literally eat drink with God here in this place. And we'd be like, she wouldn't put her seatbelt on. I couldn't get that kid. We're whining over nothing. Right? And Jesus, you know what? About to fix this. 
and this, because he does, you know he's a little pushed because he doesn't stop. He takes into this guy, and then he takes into everybody watching. All right, here we go. Then the Lord said to him, and I want you to notice that the Pharisee noticed Jesus didn't wash. Did you see that? Pharisee never says, hey, did you use hand sanitizer? Pharisee never said, hey, why didn't you wash your hands? The man noticed. Let me just tell you, church, here's the first thing you'll learn today. Ready? Don't think it. Don't think it. He knows. Then the Lord said, hand caught in a cookie jar. You didn't know nobody was looking. He didn't know he could have his thoughts read. And Jesus says, hey, 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 hey. That's a loose translation, but it's close. <laughs> now then, you Pharisees like to clean the outside of the cup, but the inside is full of greed and wickedness. I used to, uh, when I was in um, uh, late college years, I was on one of the Sun teams, and the whole theme of the summer was of First uh, Timothy four twelve. All right, the whole theme, the whole week's Bible study was on speech, life, love, faith, and purity. Right, that's what our student ministry is based on. Don't let anybody look down on you or, uh, on you or young, but set up as an example of speech, like love. When we got to purity, I used to always talk about what real purity was. Can you be just a little bit pure? Can you be just a little bit kind? Can you be just a little bit impure? Are you pure if you're impure? What Dove? Remember the Dove commercial, ninety nine and anybody. 44 100s percent pure. I'm all good with that, but what's the other 6600s or 5600s? What if that's arsenic? Rat poison. Ebola. Y'all remember the cookie story, right? I've told it like four times. I don't need to tell that one again? Yeah. Little boy eats the cookies. Dad, what's different about this? Just got a little bit of dog poop. Just a little bit. I just let a little bit of sin in my life. I'm just going to commit a little bit of adultery. I'm going to have a little bit of stealing. I'm going to do a little bit of, uh-huh. You okay with a little bit? I used to bring this cup out on the purity one, and I'd have two cups sitting there. And one of those, they were white styrofoam cups, so it worked really well. And I would go out and get my hands all muddy and get some dirt, and I would just rub it all over the outside of one of those cups, and I'd sit it down. And then I'd, I'd, I'd have the other one next to it all clean on the outside, and I would say, which one do you want to drink out of? Everybody want to, I want to drink out of that cup. Are you sure? Yeah. They would go pick that up and look down in there, and I had put dirt, worms, all kinds of gross. Go ahead, have a drink. This is what Jesus is saying. He said, man, I, I ain't going to complain about you wearing a Connect t-shirt. I ain't going to complain about you dressing up for church. I ain't going to complain when you walk in the door and say, hello, preacher, and put a smile on your face. I'm not going to complain about it, but let's get real. If you are not worried about the things that cause your button to be pushed, you're not getting clean at all. Christianity is not a fake it till you make it religion. There is no list that you can complete that's going to make sure that you get in. That involves your power, your ability, and some of your authority. And it is not that way. Jesus gets you in the end. Well, wait, Craig, don't I have to? No, you should, but don't have to. I don't obey God so that there's a bigger doorway in heaven. 
I don't get baptized so that I can slide through the pearly gates. I don't preach so that there is some bigger chair like I'd need it in heaven. I don't do that. Those things are because God said so. I don't, I don't know any different. It doesn't mean perfect. That's not what I said. But my heart doesn't know any different. I am who I am because that's how God made me the end. I've known since I was in ninth grade. My mom can tell you. My sister can tell you. Everybody who knew me can tell you. We all knew what I'd be doing. We just thought it looked different than this. I'm glad we do what he wants and not what me wants. You see what I'm saying? You should follow the rules, but not because they're rules and not because they get you anywhere, but because you love the one who gave them to you so much, you don't want to bother him. You don't want to hurt him. You don't want to disappoint him. And then he looks back at you and he says, you can't. You can't. You can't. Because there's nothing you can do to make this better or worse. I've already done it. And so he looks at this guy and he says, man, you've memorized hundreds upon hundreds of verses. You've, you've, you've walked through thousands and thousands of things that you do correctly every day, getting up at a certain time. But, but, but you're actually making it harder to understand me than easier to understand me. You foolish people. Did not the one who make the outside make the inside also? You're so worried about your skin. You're so worried about your flesh, but you've forgotten about your soul. When your body dies, it's dead. But your soul lives forever, and it's dirty. But now as for what is inside you, be generous, and everything will be clean for you. Now, this is a uber-confusing verse. I, I can twist it. I can turn it, I can make it sound right, but in and of itself, this may be one of the most confusing verses in the Bible. Now, here is the way the Holy Spirit spoke to me about this verse. Things like generosity and love and peace and hope do not come from what you wear. They do not come from how much makeup you have on. They do not come from what other people see you as. They come from what's going on inside of you. And so if what's inside of you overflows generosity without any need of return. See, if you're doing it to someone who can get you something, you're trying to get gain. Generous to the poor. I do it without expectation of return. Then what is inside of me is flowing out. Generosity, love, hope. If that's right, the rest will work itself out. That is my Holy Spirit interpretation of the scripture. But I want you to hear this. The words be generous actually are translated to give alms. Okay? To give alms. Interestingly enough, the Aramaic word for give alms, all right, is D-A-K-K-I. You with me? Daki, daki, D-A-K-K-I. The Aramaic word for cleanse, Z-A-K-K-I. So theologians have for years questioned whether or not somewhere along the way during the spoken word that 
the word give alms was replaced for cleanse because in Matthew, the same verse is about cleansing the inside and the outside of the cup. One letter. Do with that what you will. There are no spiritual, there are no emotional, there are no mistakes in the scripture when it comes to what the Holy Spirit says and does. Okay? Nobody say anything about typos. Not, not, even, not, even, not even getting into that argument. I'm just offering you a theological, educational, for those teachers out there like, yeah, that's cool, I like that. Something to think about, okay? If the inside is doing its job. Listen, a cup is not for decoration. A cup is for drinking. If you can't use it for what it's for, what good is it? Wouldn't God say the same thing to a Christian? What are you, what are you for? And how are you pouring out? Then he takes a deep breath. And he says, now that I've talked to this guy, oh, y'all, woe to you Pharisees because you give God a tenth of your mint, your rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. King James in Matthew says, these ye ought have done and not leave the rest undone. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Here's what Jesus is trying to say. You do not get to pick which things in my Bible that you want to do to look good and then leave out other things in my word that you just do not want to do. It does not work that way. He said, the problem with you all is you'll do all the things that make you look good and sound good in public, and then you go out and act like you've never met me, and nobody wants anything to do with you. That's the hypocrisy we'll deal with later. And I love what King James says. These ye ought have done. Yes, tithe. Yes, give. Yes, serve. Yes, show up, but not leave the others undone. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, uh, not that I have already attained this one thing I do, forgetting what's had and reaching for, towards what it has. I press on toward the keep on running. May you not pick and choose this year. May you just go all in. Woe to you Pharisees because you love the most important seat in the synagogue and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. I was teaching a Experiencing God class at UK when I was a youth minister here. And about week nine, all right, we're, 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 it's late at night because that's when you do college stuff. I'm going through this deep Bible study with these college students who are my age, maybe even older than me at that time, all right, some of them. And we get to this part, and I've sang this song a hundred times. I mean, a hundred, thousand times maybe. And they've printed out the words to the song, I'd Rather Have Jesus. So you're, you're in a spiritual moment, right? You're doing this Bible study. You're all collectively trying to grow. And I'm fine. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than wealth untold. And I'm like, yep, I would, I would, I would. About verse 4, here's what it says. I'd rather have Jesus than anybody Men's applause. I, I, I was created to be up here. This is who I am. But 
I don't have a problem with money. I don't have a problem with, you know, obesity or uh, uh, overindulging. Oh, but I've told you, and I'll tell you again, pride. Owning it. Knowing's half the battle, people. And that one just nailed me. Woe to you, Pharisees. You guys that stand up and quote your scriptures. You guys that spit out beautiful prayers. You like to sit in the front row and you want people to notice. And you're the guy that, hey, pastor, hey, pastor, how you doing, preacher? How you doing, pastor? In the Kroger, in the Walmart. Now, I love y'all because y'all don't do that. You don't do it, and I love it. I'm thankful. The best I get is I walk into Walmart and somebody comes running from the back because they know I was there because I was whistling. <laughs> Happens all the time. Went into Walmart a couple months ago, and I turned the corner, you know, go this way, and Kyra Hibschman comes running back, peers around the corner. She's like, yeah, Dad, it's him. I mean, from like rows back. I don't get reverend. I get it's him. And I'm good with I, I I am so good with that. But it doesn't take away that because I'm created the way that I am, it is pride that does cometh before the fall. Okay? Know thyself. That's not Bible, that's Socrates, but it's a pretty smart call. All right? Know your strengths and your weaknesses. I love this. He's like, woe to you guys, because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without knowing it. Remember when I said if you walked over an unmarked grave, it makes you unclean? He said, hey, you guys who are preaching and teaching, but living life wrong and doing everything opposite, everybody who runs into you is kind of like walking over an unmarked grave. They're now less clean than when they met you. I mean, he called out the reverends. He's like, you guys have got it so wrong that everybody who runs into you is actually spiritually unclean from just meeting you. <laughs> Told you, he got his buttons pushed. <laughs> they had had enough. <laughs> One of the experts said, teacher, when you say these things, you insult, insult us also. I think Jesus went. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> Jesus replied, oh, you experts in the law, woe to you. Translation, shame on you. Translation, I actually feel pity for you because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. You do the least amount necessary to get by, but you expect all of those around you, pastors, worship pastors, elders included, to stand on a pedestal nobody but Jesus can reach. Stop it. Don't stop it for me. Stop it for you. Because you're setting yourself up with an unimaginable list. People ask me all the time. Coffee Covenant next week. People ask me all the time. Isn't there, you know, this big book, you know, Baptist Faith and Message? And Nope. Well, don't you want to have things that we know we're supposed to do and not do? Nope. The more you start writing rules, the more you need to write rules to help define the rules. And then the more you need to write amendments to the rules to help define the rules. And pretty soon, you've cut the Holy Spirit out completely. Well, Craig, isn't it scary just to trust the Holy Spirit and a couple of guys to lead you? Incredibly! 
I promise you it's scarier from this side. You don't have to stand before Jesus responsible for you. And sometimes your love, and sometimes your stupidity. But we do. You experts. I have pity on you because you load people down with burdens they can't carry and you don't even have you don't even have a finger to help them. Woe to you because you build tombs for the prophets and it was your ancestors who killed them. Listen, all this is, all this is, the best way to explain what's going on here is this. Because it's been passed down and passed down and passed down, all right, because you celebrate what the, the prophets and what the people did before you, right or wrong, you continue to celebrate ill-gotten gains, ill-repute things, and now that's on you and not on them anymore. Stop it. Stop it. It, it, it comes back to the good old church thing. Well, we've done it. We've always done it this way. It's always worked this way. My grandma, oh my gosh, stories upon stories. So you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did, and yet you build their tombs. You're, you're, you're saying, look at what they did, look at what they built. But at the end of the day, and this is the best example I have, for all the churches who are doing everything they've always done and celebrated who they always were and putting the names of people who gave money on windows and celebrating those people and writing plaques on the pews, I am not saying you're bad, but if you stare at your pew long enough, you're going to find a plaque in here. The problem is the building might look great, but the church is dying. Dying. That's why you, you spend five years, you spend ten years. Hey, look around you. Is there anybody new here? Why have, you, why have you gone from 200 to 75? Well, they didn't understand our way. No, you didn't understand his way. Because of this, in his infinite wisdom, God said, I'm going to send them prophets and apostles. Listen, some of whom they will kill. Others they will persecute. Nobody said they were perfect pastors, but I promise you this. Have you seen that meme going around like 91% of the pastors won't make it? Won't make it, something like that. And it lists all the things that, you know, more pastors are leaving the ministry right now at a record pace. Why? They can't measure up to something somebody else thinks they ought to be. It's not possible. I've told you once, I've told you a million times, if you need me to be perfect, find a new place. I, I, don't, I don't apologize for that. I'm just not good enough to live up. And this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that have been shed since the beginning of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah. That is a chronological that is a chronological start and finish of the martyrs in the portion of the Bible they held true to, all right? Killed by Cain. Abel would have been the first one killed. And Zechariah, running from the altar, all right, is killed as the last martyr in, in what they would memorize, all right, in what they would understand. Jesus said, it's not just about today. You're, the essence of the heart of the problem, the essence of the soul of the problem is we're going to pay for all of them because we're all making the same mistakes. We're just doing it over and over again in a different way. I get tickled when people tell me that it's worse now than it used to be. No, it's different now. 
than it used to be. We have access to way more things, which makes us way more high-tech and our ability to do things is greater. But it also opens the door for more things to go badly. And yes, I, wouldn't, I, would want, I, want, I want to go back and grow up in the 80s. I ain't, I ain't lying. I want some 80s music. I want some 80s TV shows. I want some family ties, and I don't care what you think, some Cosby show. I want all of that stuff. All right, I want to get dirty out back. I want to ride a three-wheeler down by the river when I shouldn't be there and the parents don't know where we are. I want to swing from trees. I want to break something. But we're scared. But it's not the first time. It's not the second time. And it's not going to be the last time. Our children and our children's children will find different ways to make the mistakes that we make. Unless. Unless. We forget about their way. We forget about our way. And 2022 becomes about his way. And then guess what? If we follow him into the wrong place, which doesn't happen, you are no longer responsible. Jesus is ready to say, it's on me. Jesus is ready to say, I will guarantee every call that I ever make, every turn that I ever make, every spin that I ever put in, I will guarantee they are all right. Follow me. But woe to you because you've taken away the key of knowledge. You've removed the one thing that could have made it all right. You took the Holy Spirit out of your bulletin. You took Jesus out of the equation. You made his work worthless by adding work to you and the people who follow you. You chose lists over life. You chose religion over relationship. You chose self over Jesus. That's why we have fewer disciples, because nobody's willing to choose him over self. If anyone would come after me, he must. It's almost like it's written to be right. When Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him up in something he might say. Preaching the truth always comes with angry folks following. You can't say that to me. Here's the problem. I didn't. I didn't say anything to you. Unless I'm mistaken, I just read it from the scriptures and explained it. The New Testament calls them mutterers. There's going to be mutterers all year long. Ignore the mutterers. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. There is no grace in a list. There is grace in Jesus. Welcome to 2022. Hop on. Get rid of the list. Let's get a life. Let's pray. God, I, I, I know that that message wasn't easy, but I, I, I really do want to be a fly on the wall. When your neck turns a little bit and you finally go, no, I've had enough. And you just rail into these religious leaders, these Pharisees, these Sadducees, these scribes. When you rail into us, 
But God, here's the thing. There was, there was no hate. There was no revenge. There was no, no sulking. <laughs> it's in, in a way we cannot fathom, every word that came out of your mouth that made them feel dumb and made them feel shame and made them feel pity was done in love. It was full of, of grace because you gave your life. Because you're not just good, you are, you are God. Help us to be overwhelmed by that love this week, this year. In Jesus' name, amen.